It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, Elevate Church. My name is Marcy Painter, and I am a longtime friend of your beloved pastors, Mark and Louie. I help lead Gateway Church in the Bayside suburbs of Melbourne, and I'm so honoured that Marco invited me to share some thoughts with you today, and I hope we will all grow a little bit more like Jesus. I am an ex-high school art teacher, so I'm going to be using a lot of arty illustrations. Hope that's okay. We are going to talk about integrity. Why? Because it is one of the marks of a Christ follower and one of the ways that we can shine Christ in our crazy world. Now, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this very famous artwork, David. Sculpted by Michelangelo in 1504, it now stands in the gallery of the Academy of Florence in Italy. Um, major tourist attractions, I'm sure many of you have seen it in real life, attracts millions of people per year. And it is considered the pinnacle of perfection in the sculpture of the human body. But here's a shocking fact. There are cracks in David's ankles. In almost immeasurable ways, those fractures are growing and working their way up his legs. Now, marble is not as strong as you might think it is. And we believe that one day he will fall. He will collapse under his own weight because of his own internal flaws. And when he falls, due to the nature of marble, he will explode. The statue of David is lacking in integrity. Now, there are two related meanings to that word integrity. First one is the state of being whole and undivided. You know, if a bridge is hit by a ship, the engineers have to check its integrity, like will it hold together under pressure? The second meaning of the word is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. This meaning is about our character, but it fits with the first meaning as well. It's like, are we whole and undivided in our character? Or do we say one thing and do another? Now, this can be toxic for our life decisions and for our relationships. When we don't live with integrity, lives can be smashed apart. And this is not the way that Christ calls us to. He calls us to be people whose word is our bond. He says it in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. You remember when you were a kid, if you, if you wanted to, um, you know, tell a white lie, uh, but you th- you do a thing called pinky swear. I don't know, maybe it's just my my uh, era, but, you know, we'd, we'd put our feet, cross our fingers behind our back, and if we did that, it didn't matter that we were telling a white lie. 
You know, Jesus is saying here, there's no need to pinky swear as kids do or swear on the Bible as if your word isn't strong enough. Jesus calls his disciples to be known for their integrity, the resolve and the courage to do the right and noble thing, even if it costs you. Let your yes be yes. It's a simple aim. I want to tease out what it means to live with godly integrity and leave you with an arty story at the end. There's an, there's an image, an idea about integrity that is found all over the scriptures, but especially in the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is a book of wise sayings like, um, you know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. But this verse in, in Proverbs says, the integrity of the upright guide them. In other words, for people who are upright, who want to do the right thing to be like Jesus, integrity is their filter. It's their guiding principle. It helps them when there is a, dif a difficult decision to be made. Here's a question for you. When you have to make a difficult decision, what guides you? Are you guided by what you think will make you look good or, or what feels good to you? Are you guided by what your friends say is the best thing to do? What, maybe what gets you the best financial outcome? We would like to think that integrity, doing the right and noble thing, guides us always, but we don't really know until making the right choice is going to cost us. It's a story in my own life. I was confronted with a difficult choice many years ago when I was working at a Christian high school. It came to my attention after working there a couple of years that my salary and those of the other part-time staff did not equate with the award wage that was specified by the government. I had to do some digging to track this down because the award wages were never published to the staff, which I found out later was actually a legal requirement of all schools. Now, I naively thought this was just a mistake by the principal, and I joyfully went to his office to explain the mistake, assuming that he would be so grateful to me for pointing this out and the problem would be remedied. Boy, was I wrong. I left his office in tears and found out that I was in danger of losing my job. More on that soon. Let's go back to this verse in, in um, Proverbs. The integrity of the upright guides them. Upright, you know, literally to stand up straight, to put your shoulders back, put your chin up and look forward. This is different from standing like this looking down, hunched. You know, in this posture, all I can see is what's right in front of me, which is, which is great, but it limits my perspective, limits my options. When I live like this, this downward posture, the, it's like the immediate versus the ultimate. It's now versus later. It's I'll do what feels right for me now 
versus, wow, there are implications down the track if I go in that direction and they are not good. When you walk with integrity, you stand up straight. You take the long view. You look up, you look out. You play the movie forward. You stop and think and pray long enough to see into the future, to see where your actions could take you. You roll the story forward. You ask God to speak through your imagination. Are you acting in integrity, even if the choice is a hard one, even if the consequences in the now could be painful for you? Now, this can start with small challenges, like, you know, you're given $20 too much change by the checkout person at Woolies. Short view, whoopee, what can I buy? Long view, play the movie forward. The one who made the mistake would have to pay for it when they reconcile their till later on. If I walk away from honesty here, it will be a little easier for my soul to walk away from honesty when something bigger happens. You and your mates are going out and you're dobbed in as a designated driver. Short view. I'm missing out on all the fun. I'll just have one. It won't hurt. Long view. Play the movie forward. I've made a promise. I want to be known as a person whose yes means yes. I want all my mates to get home safely. I stick with what I said I would do. You're struggling in your marriage. The reality of sharing your life with an imperfect person is weighing you down and the temptation is to walk away. Short view, I need to look after my own happiness. There's someone else who I could be happier with. Long view, play the movie forward. What would this decision do for the future of my kids? What happens when this supposed amazing new relationship I could find also sours? How do we get help to move through this dark tunnel and come out the other side stronger? Let me go back to my school experience. The short view for me, the short option was to stay quiet and accept the injustice and keep my job. The long view, I was thinking about the integrity of this school as a workplace, as a place that I loved. I was thinking about the other staff in the same position. I was thinking about Christian principles of justice and truthfulness. Now, the result for me this time was ultimately positive, although the stress of that situation was horrendous at the time. The principal was asked to leave by the board and I kept my job with back payment of what was owed. The employment practices of the school were brought into line with government requirements, but I could have been out of a job. I was preparing myself for that. The consequences of my integrity could have been difficult, but ultimately, I felt I had done what God had required of me. Think about your greatest financial regret. Were you playing the movie forward? 
What about your greatest relationship regret? Were you standing up straight and looking into the future? Like the statue of David, we all have cracks in our ankles. We all mess up. A person of godly integrity is not a perfect person, but they are the ones who own their own mess and do their best to clean it up with the help of God. Please hear me on this one because it's part of playing the movie forward. The health of your relationships with your family, your friends, your work colleagues, your employees if you have them, the respect they have for you is contingent on your integrity, not your infallibility. It's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to cover up and lie about it. Integrity is the oil in the machinery of relationships. We own our own mess. We're honest about our mistakes. We seek to reconcile and make amends, play the movie forward. Eventually there is a, a price to pay if we don't straighten up, take the long view look. Think about the ultimate direction you are going in rather than the immediate pleasure of the moment. Who do you want to be? What do you want your legacy to be? Now let me finish by telling you a story about a person whose life inspires me to play the movie forward and see God's hand gently guiding. Who would you say is the most loved, most famous of painters? Well, many of you would probably agree with me and say Vincent van Gogh. Now, some of you might have seen the amazing projected exhibition that was on in Perth a few years ago. Van Gogh is one of the world's most popular painters. Now, this beloved work, Irises, last sold for 59 million, but that's not his best price. When Vincent was alive, he was a commercial disaster. He sold only one painting and only survived because of the support of his brother, Theo. We know from the many letters that he wrote to his brother that this was devastatingly disappointing to him as he felt like a burden on everyone. He was so despondent at his lack of artistic success that he shot himself in the stomach and died a few days later. But now everyone knows his name and loves his artwork. 1888 was a huge year for art. Artists like Renoir, Monet, Degas, Van Gogh were at the peak of their powers. In that same year, a 35-year-old woman named Lilius Trotter boarded a train that cut through France where all of those painters were at work. She was on her way to the port of Marseilles to catch a boat leaving Europe. Both Lilius and Vincent lived in relative obscurity up to that point, but they were both chasing after the same thing, fulfilment of a calling to see and create beautiful things. Now, I'd never heard of Lilius Trotter, but her story has gripped me. She was brought up in London in a Christian family and developed two things, a passionate love of God and a passionate love of art. At the age of 23, she met John Roskin. Now, John 
Ruskin was a superstar in the art world, a professor of fine arts at Oxford University, and he was incredibly influential. If John Ruskin said something was good, everyone said it was good, like a, like a major social media influencer today. John Ruskin was an authority on art whose opinion was taken seriously, and he was passionate about developing artistic talent, especially young female artists. Now, Lilius's mother happened to meet him one day and showed him some of her daughter's sketchbooks and watercolour paintings, and he was blown away by her talent. He saw incredible potential in her and believed he could shape her into one of the world's great artists. She became his pupil and was on track to be lauded as a great artist. Can you imagine if Van Gogh had had that opportunity? He would have jumped at it. Lilius saw the world and painted it with great honesty, but her ability to look deeply at the world caused her to see its suffering. She started to work with the YWCA, ministering to the destitute women and prostitutes on the streets of London. And as she did, she kept drawing and painting and sending Ruskin her work. But Ruskin was not satisfied. If she was going to be the great artist he knew she could be, she had to have a singular focus. The potential he recognised in her could only come to fruition if she devoted herself wholly to her art. He told Lilius that if she would devote herself to art, she could be the greatest living painter in Europe and do things that would be immortal. Whoa. He wanted her to choose between her ministry and her art, forcing her to face the crisis of her life. Can you imagine trying to play that movie forward? Greatest artist in the world? Giving joy to thousands of people? Financial success? Artistic immortality? or obscurity and a life of serving the poor in the name of Jesus. Lilius wrote to a friend about how difficult the decision was. She wrestled, she prayed, she couldn't eat or sleep. But as she prayed, a memory came to her. God helped her to play the movie forward. In her memory, she was young and in church, about to put her offering in the offering plate. Carved into the middle of the plate was the pierced hands of Christ. Seeing it, she emptied her entire purse into the dish. What else could she do? If the hands of Christ asked for what she possessed, what else could she possibly withhold? She wrote to her friend, I see clear as daylight now that I cannot dedicate myself to painting in the way that Ruskin means and continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. She would give herself to the poor and perhaps use her art in their service. So she worked with impoverished women in London for the next 10 years and then followed a call to be a missionary and travel to Algeria in Northern Africa. That was where her train was taking her 
as she travelled past Van Gogh's town in 1888. She arrived in that country with no contacts, no language, no cross-cultural training and set about caring for women and children. But she saw great beauty in the land and the people. She revolutionised mission work by using her pictures to teach gospel stories and training nationals to work beside her. She served the people of Algeria for 40 years. Here is one of her quotes. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. Some of you older saints might recognise this as the inspiration for a beloved song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Now you and I maybe never heard of Lilius Trotter, but she is famous in the kingdom of God. She played the movie forward. She stood upright and saw Jesus calling her into her future and every other ambition became strangely dimmed. She was a woman of integrity. So Elevate Church, can I just finish by saying, let your yes be yes. Play the movie forward. God wants to use you in powerful ways, maybe not in Algeria, maybe as the peacemaker in your family, the kindest voice in your classroom, the voice of wisdom in your lunchroom, the one who puts the kingdom of God first in their service and in their finances. It will cost you, but you will live with no regrets. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.